Welcome, friends. I'm Sarah Ann Stewart, and this is the Awesome Inside Out Podcast. Now, I'm not sure how you ended up here today, but I want to welcome you with open arms. Because while our paths may be different, I'm going to take a wild guess that we share one common desire to have a deeply fulfilling, extraordinary life in a body that we love. A life free of diets, free from guilt, and free from shame. In each episode, we're going to dive deep into mindset shifts that give you the power to decide how you feel, not the media, not your past, and not social conditioning. Then you'll discover how to use this inspiration and this new sense of confidence to be the best you, the you that you are meant to be. So get ready, my friend. It is time to get awesome inside out. Hey, love. Welcome back to another episode of the Awesome Inside Out podcast. Today, I have an incredible guest to share with you. But before I introduce her, I want to ask you a really, really simple question. Has there ever been a moment in your life when you were able to take a big leap of faith or achieve something you never thought possible because someone was there on the sidelines cheering you on, wholeheartedly believing in you every single step of the way? Chances are throughout your life, there was at least one person who told you it was possible. Even if that one person was that small little voice inside your heart speaking to you every single day. I've had so many amazing people come into my life who believed in my work and what I was doing way before I could see the impact and really truly believe that this work was needed in the world. And that's why I absolutely love the next guest. Olympian Sarah Wells is doing her mark on the world to make this belief possible. Sarah is an Olympic hurdler who founded the Believe Initiative, a youth advocacy organization that challenges young individuals to make changes, not sacrifices, relentlessly pursue their past obstacles, and of course, believe. Since meeting Sarah, I have become deeply inspired by her work and her dedication to support not only young individuals, but the dedication to her sport and also her health. So I invited her to share today about the power of belief and what is needed to strengthen the courage within you so that you can listen to that voice and take the next step. What would you do right now if you believed you could? You can, and Sarah is going to walk you through how. So let's dive right in. All right, Sarah, thank you so much for being here and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to have you back for another interview. I know the last time you and I sat down was for the Rising Glen Collective, a collective that my husband and I host every month or so. And everyone was absolutely blown away by your story. People were crying and and everyone was hugging you. And it was just the most beautiful, profound hour. So I was like, I have to have you back to talk. Well, thank you. And your life and the amazing things you're doing. So welcome. Thanks for being here again. I'm just so, so excited to give people a background, kind of your life and your journey and how you've gotten to this place as an Olympian and the founder of the Believe Initiative. Can you take us back real quick to the, and it's not a quick story, but <laughs> the, the short of it to kind of just dive into this experience that you had becoming an Olympian and your trials and your experiences that and just 
your journey to the place you are now. Yeah, no, certainly. And thank you for saying all that. I'm so happy to be back. It was such a pleasure to meet the community that you and Greg have built up through Rising Glen and all of your like travels and experiences. So thank you for including me and having me part of this circle. So initially my whole journey kind of started because I wanted to do a sport. And in high school, I tried out for basketball, volleyball, badminton, soccer, you name it. I tried out for it. And the result was sad. <laughs> I got cut from every single team. And I thought I was just the least athletic human on the planet. Mm-hmm. But as springtime rolled around, I had a high school teacher see me and say, I saw you in gym class. I think you need to try out for the track team. And at that point, I was already feeling like fairly defeated and deflated and thinking, I'm not athletic. Like I've tried. I tried everything I promise. And he's like, no, no, I really think you have what it takes. And so I went out for the track team and I found hurdles and hurdles made running fun for me. Like it was exciting. It was something to distract me. And I really, really enjoyed my experience with hurdles. And that high school teacher was my coach. And we stayed coach athlete for the next nine years until we made the Olympics together, Mm -hmm. which was pretty wild because it's unheard of to keep the same coach for that long and certainly have the person that you were discovered by be your coach to like the pinnacle of your career. And so it was just so cool that it all came out of the fact that like he really believed in me first and that's why I've been able to accomplish what I have. And so really like why I've created the Believe Initiative and every, the story behind that is that not everyone's going to have that high school teacher and not everyone's going to have someone to believe in them first. And so this program was designed to be that person for as many people as possible. And, you know, that, that whole journey of like becoming an Olympian obviously was bumpy and no story worth telling is smooth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So within that whole experience, I had been slowly developing the idea that maybe I could become an Olympian. I wasn't the kid who, you know, from the get-go said like, I'm going to be an Olympian one day. It just kind of happened over time. And I remember the year of the Beijing Olympics in 2008, one of my training partners, his name was Massimo and he was a decathlon or decathlete, sorry. Mm -hmm. And he did the decathlon, which is like 10 events and they tally up all the points. And realistically, they are probably the most athletic humans on the earth because they run, jump, throw, they run long distances, they run sprints, like they're crazy. And Massimo made the Olympics in 2008. And it blew my mind because I saw this dude train day in, day out at the same facility I trained at. We spoke, we hung out. I saw him have bad days. I saw him have good days. And it was like, he was a human to me. And now he'd achieved this thing that seemed superhuman. And so for the very first time seeing him achieve this goal in 2008, I was like, oh, this is possible. This is something Mm -hmm. you don't have to drink a lime green beverage and turn into the Incredible Hulk. Like This is something that is possible. And it's simply a matter of working hard and being gritty, being resilient and believing that you can do this. And so for the first time in 2008, I kind of had this thought like I can become an Olympian. And over the next four years, I was making steps towards that and it really became possible. And the year before the very first Olympics, I had never touched Olympic standard. And I was actually about a second away from hitting that time that I needed, but a second in the sport of track and field, like is in a sliver of time, like it is Mm -hmm. an eternity. And so 
when I know that I knew I needed every day, every week, every month in order to train and make this dream come true. But it was January, the year before the Olympics, and I was at a training camp and I got this weird sensation in my leg after the biggest workout of the week. And I thought, okay, maybe I tweaked something, something small, hopefully, but it didn't go away for a number of days. And so I flew home from that training camp, went to see a special sports medicine doctor, and we found out that I had developed a stress fracture in my femur. And a stress fracture is a deterioration of your bone from the inside out that eventually leads to a crack. And now the doctor tells me this and says, I can't do any weight bearing, no running, no jogging, definitely no hurdling. And so I'm heartbroken because I need to improve an entire second in order to make this dream come true. And now I can't do any training at all. And so I sit out for what is supposed to be three months. And during that three months, I question my self-worth. I wonder who am I without this goal? Are my friends still going to like me? Are people going to listen to what I have to say? Is there any point in me trying to go for this goal? If I know I'm basically watching it slip away right now. Mm-hmm. And night after night, I would cry myself to sleep and, and I would want to give up. But every single morning I would wake up and I would get back up and I would go to my physiotherapist and try to stay fit and try to stay motivated. And eventually those three months, they went by and I was excited because I thought, okay, like I just went through the worst three months of my life. And like, thank God I'm here now. I've climbed to the top of this mountain and I go and see the doctor that day. And I'm like, okay, can I go? Can I train? Is it healed? And he pulls up the new scan and it's actually not healed. And he says, come back in another month. And a month to me felt like forever. There was no one more month for me. Like I had pulled out every ounce of my strength and grit to get through those three months. I had now just fallen off the edge of this cliff. And I went home and I tried to stay fit and I tried to stay motivated. And again, I came back above. Finally, was like, okay, I made it through that month. Mm -hmm. And it still wasn't healed. And so now what had been four months turned into five, six, seven, eight, nine months. In nine months, I sat out making zero progress towards this goal that already was deemed fairly impossible. And everyone around me reminded me to remain realistic, that this was already a pretty impossible goal. And I had made it a bit more challenging on myself by sitting around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so on my very first day back to training, I finished my first workout back and I left the track and I decided to go to the tattoo parlor and get the word believe tattooed onto my wrist. Mm-hmm. And I said, when I make the Olympic games, I will put the Olympic rings underneath here. And to my father's dismay, I now had a tattoo. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> told me I was. Yeah, exactly. I actually told him at Thanksgiving, I remember that I had the tattoo when, when all my family members were around. Because I was like, he's going to be mad. And if I do it while everyone's around, he can't get too mad. (laughs) But now I set out back to training and I have the word believe tattooed on my wrist. And Mm -hmm. I have eight months left to get back to who I was and then improve upon that in order to qualify. And so I start training and I'm just happy to be back. And three weeks in, I'm doing a hurdle drill and I snap down over the hurdle and I tear a hernia in my inguinal ligament, and now have to go in for surgery and recover from that. By the time I get back, I have six months left to make this impossible dream come true. And step by step, looking down at that word believe, reminding myself of all the obstacles I had already overcome, 
I just kept telling myself over and over again, I believe in me. And I often say in the keynote speeches that I do, you know, what's your word? Mm -hmm. Because I understand the power that this word had for me. And so challenging people to think about what is that word that will remind them of all the obstacles they've already overcome, of the strength that they have inside, and then write it down somewhere. Because there were many moments I didn't believe I could do it. But I had this word to kind of set me back on track and really feel like it was possible. And so six months later, I win the Olympic trials and I hit Olympic standard and I go to the Olympic games and finish as an Olympic semifinalist and one of the youngest competitors in the field. And it was crazy. (laughs) And I share the story often that like I finished the race and my whole body is like flooded with lactic acid. I don't know if I'm going to like throw up or die or be alive at all. (laughs) I like crawl to this grass patch and just like lay down in fetal position. And my siblings come like running down from the stands, hanging over the fence. And they're like, Oh my God, you did it. Oh my God. And I'm like delusionally looking up at them, like eyes glossed over like a newborn baby. And I'm like, this is the best day of my whole life. (laughs) And that moment, the best day of my whole life happened because eight months before that I had the courage to believe in me. Right. And I think what we had talked about was that it was also the mental side of it, right? So, so many people think, and I see this a lot, is that we just think it's the physical and we forget that the mind and the body, they're connected and that there's so much power in mindset and belief systems and believing in yourself and trusting in your own intuition. And when all these people were saying, and I think this is very normal, right? That people will say, well, be realistic because they had dreams they had given up on, or they had dreams that they, they don't want to see you hurt or in pain, or they don't want to see you not pursuing your dreams. So it's like, why not just encourage you out of it to begin with? Right. And so I'm curious what beyond the tattoo and just getting it on your arm and looking at it every single day, which I think is very, very important. Like I wear a bracelet that has a word on it. This, the word for me this year is ease, just to trust in the flow of, of life. Every year I choose a different word, but I think it's very important that we choose something. But beyond that, beyond the word, what were the things that you were doing every day to get through these moments of just like, what am I doing? Why am I even still in this mindset of even thinking that this dream is impossible for me to achieve? Well, certainly I'm a big fan of journaling. Like Mm -hmm. I have a workout log that encompasses everything I'm thinking or feeling. Mm -hmm. And it's really important to me because in those moments where we do get down and we start to feel like our life is terrible and there's no way out of this and you can reflect and it's the emotions taken out of it because you have it written down of like what actually happened. And so every single day I would write in my log, you know, what my workout was, what were the times How did I feel? How much sleep did I get? What were some other things going on in my life in those moments? And I think by having a log of that, I could start to rationalize and think more reasonably about moments of adversity. Like I had a terrible workout today. Do I suck? Am I never gonna get to school? There's no way I can do this now. Like I should give up now. And maybe I go back to that log and look, oh, look, all last week I had no sleep because I had this event happening or I took a flight because I had to go here and, and yeah, of course my body's going to be run down. So no, I don't suck. And no, I don't need to give up on this goal because there's a lot of reasons why I might've felt the way I did. 
or something went on in my relationship and I'm feeling emotionally drained. And so I only had so much capacity. And I think having that log helps you be kind of that devil's advocate for yourself of the voice that will always be louder and tell you like, no, you can't. Yes, you should give up. There's no way you're not good enough. All of that. Well, you'll have that quiet voice. You'll give it strength. You'll give it a megaphone by having these things written down into the book. And so I can't stress enough the importance of journaling and gratitude and understanding, you know, the roles different things play in your life. So that way you can take yourself out of it. And not that you're finding excuses or not taking ownership of of things, but instead like you can understand the ecosystem that's existing around you and make less emotional connections to the negative things that might be going on. And you'll take yourself out of that. Um, Yeah, it's incredible. I think recognizing how much we're actually experiencing in a daily basis gives us a lot more compassion and love for ourselves mm -hmm. because we're, you know, we're overstressed, overcommitted. We're constantly on the run, most of us, right? And so, (laughs) so just recognizing, wow, like my body got me through today. And these are all the incredible things. And just holding compassion and love for where your body is versus shaming and hating it for being hurt being broken, having, you know, this terror, mm-hmm. all of these things, which I think so often we beat ourselves up, especially when people start to shift and go into wellness, like, and really take an initiative for their health. It's like when things are in flow, it's like they're shaming and angry at their body versus loving and holding compassion for all the things it did and mm-hmm. all of the things that basically supported you through. And so I absolutely love that. I think that's so profound. And I think if everyone would start tracking their emotions and their feelings and their experiences, they would start to correlate, okay, I'm feeling this because of this. And instead of suppressing the emotion, we can manage it, right? And we can do something about it. Um, And I know that you talked a lot about managing your emotions and how you had to do that through these really challenging times. And the thing I wanted to ask the most, which is really interesting because... I think so often we attach our identity to something. And I know that you had attached your identity to becoming an Olympian to some extent, right? And then when it was gone, it was like, who am I? What will my friends think? My parents think? My mentor think? Who am I now if I'm not chasing this dream? How did you overcome that? Was there a place where you became detached and said, okay, well, if I don't become an Olympian, I'm still worthy of other things in another life. Cause I think, I think that that's where so many young women get stuck. It's like, well, if I don't get that college degree that I'm not worthy, if I don't have the relationship, if I don't, and they're attaching their identity to so many things and labels versus their worth. Yeah. And I agree, especially with all the students I speak to, I see that a lot of people defining themselves in outcomes instead of their experiences and what they could be learning and how, to deal with that pressure rather than seeing it as, okay, why me? Like, why do I have to be in this degree? Like, why do I have to get this doctorate? So that way, and it's like, no, it's not why you, it's thankfully you, like you have this opportunity to learn and explore and be challenged. And it doesn't matter if you get that desired result, if you want or not, it's truthfully about like the things you will learn along the way and those experiences and, and the like blocks you get to lay down of like the foundation that will become your life. Um, And I think, it's hard to separate ourselves from those outcomes and those achievements because we do put our self-worth into it. And I think 
I still need to hear myself say this probably, but I find it really helpful to take action in seeking new experiences or different opportunities because I find it shows you what else is possible. And it's not that this is the only path to success of like, I need to be, I need to have that doctor in order to be successful. I need to have that relationship in order to be seen as like a feminine body. I need to look a certain way to feel I'm important. All of those things, we can get so focused in one path and think that's the only way to get to that outcome we're looking for. And it's because maybe the world we're surrounded by is feeding that belief. And so if we can actively be seeking other opportunities, just having conversations with different people, being open-minded to the idea that you could learn something from every single person you engage with, that helps you and certainly has helped me detach myself from what I thought was the only thing. I Mm -hmm. thought we're all in a race and I thought mine was the race of track and field and something we haven't even touched upon yet, but I was most recently just on the amazing race. And so it's like this race of our lives, it's not my track and field race. It's not the amazing race. It's not all of those things we're experiencing. It's like the race of our life in Mm -hmm. its entirety. That's what we're doing. And it doesn't really matter about the outcome because I've been there. I've had the moment of success and it was epic and it was awesome. And I loved it. But I've also had the moment of defeat and failure and missing that big goal. And far more people come up to me after the fact and say they're more inspired by the story where I actually missed my goal. And I think that's because we can all remember a moment where we felt like a failure. We felt defeated. And instead of seeing that as you're now no longer worthy or you're no longer going to be seen as successful or a source of power. Instead, if you can look at that and think, I mean, of course, we hope that we've like learned something through that experience and really understand that there's so much opportunity out there. Like share that story of defeat, share that story of failure. And then you'll start to realize that like, there's so much more opportunity for me to take what I learned in this silo and apply it to hundreds, thousands of others. Hey there, friend. Are you loving this podcast? I want to continue to support you. So the simplest way to do this is to head over to sarahannstewart.com and pop into the newsletter. Doing this ensures that you never, ever miss any details of our new projects, products, upcoming events, or issues that are near or dear to my heart. You're also going to get access to the movement. This is the inner circle of people just like you standing in their power to bring more truth and a new level of consciousness where all individuals get to live a diet-free life in a body that they love. So pop on over to sarahannstewart.com and subscribe, and I'll see you on the inside. Yeah, I think people are terrified to share the parts of themselves that were broken. And I think if we all did that and we all shared a statistic that it's like we're all living, like most Americans are now living in quote unquote dysfunctional homes, right? But right. or they were living in in with defeat, we're living with things that aren't perfect, we're living in experiences that aren't necessarily the Instagram worthy 
pictures, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. And if we were all sharing, as you have shared, it would have been really easy for you to not share your story and just share the end. That would have been very easy, right? To go online and say, look at where I've come. But by sharing the pain and sharing those parts of ourselves, it gives everyone else that permission to do as well. And I think that that's, there's a level of courage to be able to share, but by doing so, for me personally, it was like, I set myself free Mm because it was like, this isn't my identity and I'm telling you right now it's not. And I'm sharing that experience with the world. And it gave me the freedom to say, yeah, there's parts of me that aren't perfect. So I'm not going to always show up that way. There's parts of me that have this imperfection and have been broken and have, you know, been through a significant amount. And that's why I just love how you go into these schools and you talk to these young kids about your story because it gives them permission throughout their life to continue to fail. And that doesn't mean that they're broken at all. It just means that they're trying. What do you tell them when they're like, I don't have the courage. I don't have it in me. Because I think that that also is something I find so often where when I sit with my clients or, or younger girls and I'm like, why not just try something new? Like you said, try something new, just mm-hmm. go play, go see what it's like to put something else on and, you know, step into another role, mm-hmm. but they're terrified. They're so terrified to take that first step, which I can relate to in my life. What's kind of like your process to get through that. And for you as well, because I know that you've stepped into all these other roles, the amazing race, speaking, <laughs> running this initiative. Like I'm sure there was a process for you where it was like, okay, I still have to find that courage in myself to take this next step outside of the identity as an Olympian. Yeah. Well, that's a really great question. And mostly I feel like when people are living in that state of fear and we've all been there of being petrified to expose those wounds or those weaknesses, which are truly just character, you know, like there isn't a weakness. There's so much good in everyone. What they see as yeah, a deficit or whatever they make. It's so beautiful to me. But what I often encourage is that like, we're so afraid if someone were to come to me and say, there's no way I could try something new because what if I'm not good? And what if my friends see that? And what if, no, I'm actually the popular girl at school. So I can't go try playing field hockey, which would make me look like I'm the butch girl. And I have this identity to hold up. And, and if I show them that person who likes sports and whatever, then, then I might lose my popularity. And it's a matter of having them sit down and debunk the idea of the fact that like, okay, you want to be popular because it provides you some type of influence. It makes you feel like you can make a difference. And by you having imperfections, by you being brave enough to step out there and show that maybe you do doubt yourself. Maybe you do have these wounds, have these scars by you being those things and exposing those things makes you a human. And by being a human, that makes you influential. And so that's the path to the root cause that you wanted. You don't need to maintain and uphold this character. In my case, is this Olympian, this badge of honor of peak performance that comes with its own costume and armor and sacrifice. And sure, that's something I'm very proud of to have that badge of peak performance, but it's like being a Greek statue. That's like absolutely perfect and impossible to move. Mm -hmm. And so if you want to, as you just said, be free, then you need to expose those imperfections and those weaknesses 
and be vulnerable enough because it will make you human and your humanity is influential. Yeah, I love that. And it gives permission to everyone around you to shift as well. I think sometimes people get so terrified that, well, I'll no longer have this group of friends or I'll no longer, they're just worried that the rest of their life will crumble by creating a shift. And there's this idea of control, right? That we, most of us, I would say as humans want to be in control of our experience. And with your story, and I know with mine, when we lose the control, like I have to surrender and accept to what is, to this experience that is in front of me, it's almost a blessing. And I'm curious if it was for you. For me, it was like, well, I don't have control. I have to just surrender to what is in this moment and accept and do what I can in this moment to make the best of it. And so I always say like when you step into the courage of creating the shift, we don't know what's going to happen. Like your external environment might change, Mm -hmm. but it's what happens on the inside that you can always control the internal. Um, And that takes practice. I know when we had talked about it before, you were sharing that you, that a lot of that for you was through visualization. I don't know if you want to talk about that a bit, because I think that that's really powerful in terms of controlling your internal experience because we don't externally have control of anything. Anything could happen in any moment, but we do have the internal. Yeah, it's true. Like in certain moments, your hands might be tied and there might be nothing you can do. And for me, in the case of having that injury and having to sit out, like I could sit there and wish all day that I could train and it wasn't going to change anything. (laughs) I couldn't train. (laughs) And so just recognizing the fact that like, okay, well, where are my controllables and what are the things I have to let go of? Because I'm just wasting energy and exhausting myself. And so for me, yeah, as we talked about a large portion of the control, the controllables came from visualization for me because there's been a ton of research that says the same parts of your brains light up when you imagine yourself doing that thing, achieving that goal, as it would be if you actually were to go and do that thing, especially physiologically. And so for me, I would envision going through my race and going over the hurdles and feeling a certain way and thinking a certain word at a certain moment and knowing what I want to do with arms and recognizing the like feeling of my heart rate starting to increase and my lungs starting to feel like my breath is shorter and shorter and almost allowing the room to slowly close in on itself on me because that's exactly what I feel like in a race. And when I would go through this visualization, I would start to get so good at executing it in the exact form that it would happen in real life. And so I would start my watch when I imagined myself coming out of the blocks and then I would go through those things. I'm going to think this at hurdle one. I'm swinging my arms through here. I'm running off of this hurdle. I'm driving at this. I'm attacking over the final corner. I can feel my body getting heavy. My breath is getting short. Everything is lactic acid. I don't know if I can do this. Get over the final hurdle, charge the finish line, lean, stop my watch. And I would get within a second of what I would actually normally run, which is crazy. That's and my, my <laughs> I'm like in awe right now. <laughs> like, this is such a powerful thing to do. And I just, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to gracefully ask you if I can take this for my clients and share this because I'm like, this is mind blowing. <laughs> <laughs> Please, I would love for you to share it with anyone. I hope everyone can do this. If you can't control what you wish you could control, find a way 
to visualize it, to like almost manifest it into your reality because there's some moments when like you literally just cannot change your circumstances, but that doesn't mean that those circumstances have to define your outcome. And you can find a way, you can find alternatives, you can manifest it in a different way that might not be as active as you had hoped, but doesn't make it impossible. And so for me, that visualization became such an incredible tool to me having a step forward that I might not have had coming back from that injury. Yeah, it's my mind. I wish this platform, I could show your videos because they're absolutely incredible. Just the intensity of the fall and the getting back up and going through the rhythm of just consistently coming back to the gym over and over and then getting her to get listeners. You have to go watch Sarah's videos (laughs) because like just watching your videos alone is like this hit of inspiration. Like I can do anything. And it's just so profound because I can't even imagine the depths of the pain and where you were. But I also understand on the flip side, the power of visualization. And I've understood it for myself and my own clients. I've seen it work. I've never heard it described in such intensity in terms of like (laughs) doing a clock or like actually seeing yourself from start to finish and walking through. I feel like it would be really great for like public speaking, like literally from the start of the speech to the end of the speech, just Mm -hmm. visualizing it, creating that time, that time frame for that. Um, so that's, that's so incredible. And just, uh, yeah, if, if, when, after this recording, go and watch Sarah's videos, yeah. you're <laughs> blown away by them. I wanted to talk about this incredible initiative that you started the believe initiative, which again, like, I wish I had a platform to show the video right now because <laughs> it's mind blowing to see all of these kids that like over 30,000 kids that you've helped come together. You can watch it on video, but it's really profound to see these young kids with not a lot of hope just light up and find this passion and this inspiration outside of the traditional box of school. And can you talk about when this started, how you started it, why you started it, um, Mm -hmm. and why it's so important for younger kids and our younger generation to have this experience? Yeah. So after making the Olympics in 2012, I continued to get better as an athlete. I won a Pan Am Games silver medal, only lost to the number one ranked girl in the world that year, was prepared to win a medal now at the 2016 Olympics, thought I was going to be ready to go and going to definitely make this happen. And as, of course, the world would have it, I end up tearing my hamstring two months before the 2016 Olympic trials. And I'm put in almost the exact same scenario that I was four years earlier heading into the London Olympics. And so in 2016, I actually miss qualifying by half a second and I get fourth and only top three go. So I get fourth by half a second. I'm devastated. And I decide for the first time in well over a decade, I'm going to step away from sport. And in that year, I did a lot of reflection of, I've been telling people that it's important to believe in yourself. And I had a tattoo on my wrist and it worked last time. I made the Olympics last time. And so does believing yourself not work? Because I didn't make the Olympics this time. And I realized that it was like, no, actually, like strength in my self-belief, even when I didn't get that goal, because I saw myself get back up and take action and consistently be persistent and never give up and go after this goal. And so I decided, you know, I need to share this message that you don't build self-belief through achievements. You build self-belief through action. And that's when I came up with the idea for the Believe Initiative. And I had started to percolate the idea in my head. 
and I was keynote speaking at a major conference at one of the biggest banks in Canada. It's the Royal Bank of Canada, RBC. And I happened to sit next to the chief marketing officer at the head table. And she's like, what do you like to do outside of sport? I was like, well, I have this idea. I want to run this program and it could look like this, I think, and have this idea and this and this. And she was like, oh my God, (laughs) I love this. Book a meeting with me tomorrow. I was like, tomorrow? Like, oh my God, like I have nothing prepared. Like, what should I do? And walk into her office with like loose sheets of paper, picture this like grand idea. She takes like this little piece and that little piece and is like, let's go try that. And so it started by just going into a handful of schools and running a video series online where we'd talk about a different theme every single week, whether it was challenging yourself, making mistakes, discipline, and the students could then follow along this journey online. And in the 10 weeks where we first showed this video series, it got over 800,000 impressions. And it was nothing. It was literally just a concept that we had tossed out there. And all of a sudden they realized, you know, this is something. And so they supported us in a big way and helped us get this program off the ground. And the program has now, you know, gone through a few reiterations of what is our programming now, which consists of a summit event where we bring a ton of schools into one gymnasium. We run this epic day with other Olympians and mindset coaches and actors, musicians, you name it, they're all there. And we host this day to inspire them to understand the importance of being resilient and the power of believing in yourself. We have them pick a passion that they have and a problem they want to solve. And they use that passion to solve that problem. And they build these believe passion projects. So at the summit, they're excited, they're inspired, and then they've picked this Believe Passion Project. Then they go through a 10-week curriculum in their classrooms, which helps them build out these passion projects. And at the end of it all, we host an inspiration fair, which showcases all of these amazing ideas. It's just like a science fair of inspirational projects. Mm -hmm. And we see the impact and how these students helped build their self-belief through action. And some of these projects are incredible. Like they blow your mind. Specifically, this one student, she had a passion for technology and her problem she wanted to solve was mental health. And so she created an app where you would log each day how you were feeling, who you hung out with, or the activities you did. And it didn't have this capability, but she said this was something she hoped for it to have is to be tied into Spotify. Then you could report how you were feeling in the morning. And based on what it had learned about you over the weeks, it could then suggest if you were feeling sad, activities you should do, people you should hang out with and music you should listen to, which is amazing. It's amazing. Like a young girl to me thinking this, I'm like, what was I doing yeah. at that age? Like, I was just like deadbeat 13 year old, like this girl. Like chemistry, I think. Like just trying to get through chemistry. Yeah. Yeah. It's mind blowing. And it's mind blowing when you give young kids a platform to just think and explore and get creative outside the box of of chemistry and math and your traditional classes that you have to go to every day because it's part of a curriculum and exactly it's it's my brain it's mind-blowing to me so like you can't see me right now but I'm smiling from ear to ear because (laughs) 
I've seen these kids' faces. Like I've seen how excited they get and how positive they are and how the ripple effect of this, because I know your work and I've watched the videos. So it's, it's mind blowing to me that, you know, these kids are getting this opportunity and then taking it and putting it into the day and the fair and, and then taking it further. Yeah. Because some of these could become real businesses. Like Mm -hmm. just like that teacher changed the course of my life by setting me on a path down towards the Olympics. Like I would have never done that without them. And this program could be shifting this path for some of these students. Like this girl could build out that app for real and turn it into a business. And we have a number of students that like this could become their life's work that creates an impact in a positive way. And it's just so cool to be a part of that. Like, my goodness, they're amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It is incredible. And if people want to get involved or want to support you in this, where can they find you in terms of just giving involved? Because I think so often, again, and I think this is personal responsibility, right? Like my husband and I have an agreement that we're going to mentor younger kids. And I think we also create that time and space in our calendar and we, and we do it. But I think mm-hmm. so often people are like, oh, I want to help, but I, but I don't have the resources, there's the time or so forth, or I don't know where to even start. And, um, and so I, it's, it's really beautiful that you've set up the system where people can get involved and can help and can support when they don't know, right, the next kind of step to take. And I always say if, if we as adults could mentor one child and take on that responsibility, even if it's just once a month of checking in and calling and saying, mm-hmm. how are you? And being that person that you were to your teacher was to you, what would our planet look like? Like, how would things be different? So how do people get involved if they want to step in and and do some of this work and support? Where can they find work? Yeah, so through our website, which is believeinitiative.com, there's opportunity there to kind of look at some of these video series that Sarah so graciously raved about. Also, they can contact me through there. They can have a look and see of ways they might want to get involved. These summit events, we're always looking for volunteers, connections to different schools and school boards, and then anyone who is kind of interested in potentially investing either their time or dollars into some of these student projects, I think there's going to be a ton of opportunity as we continue to grow. Because like you said, these students need someone to help guide them. And some of them have ideas that could really be blown out in in really, really cool ways. And so if, yeah, you want to get involved by just volunteering your time, there's an opportunity through there. You can go to the Get Involved page and um, check us out there, all on believeinitiative.com. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend going, checking it out, um, and supporting in a way that feels in alignment. What's next for you? Like, what are you excited about? I know you were just on The Amazing Race, and I want to <laughs> ask you a million questions, and I can't. <laughs> as soon as it comes out, we're going to yeah. have another, I'm going to call you, and we're going to jam about all things Amazing Race, because I'm discreetly, like, I'm really, you know, in full transparency, I, when I heard that, I was like, I'm so jealous. That is <laughs> on that show. What else is going on? Like, what else is coming up? So I think, um, yeah, one major thing coming up is that through the summer, uh, the show, The Amazing Race Canada will start airing. And I'm excited to see it unfold and have people see the you know, it was, it was an opportunity for me to live my message. So uh, I'm excited when I can share those details with you. We'll, we'll do this again when, the, yeah. when we're ready. <laughs> um, and then the second thing, which is like kind of a, I'm going to be very vulnerable right now, is deciding if I'm going to continue with sport. Mm-hmm. And I've been training for the 2020 Olympics that are in Tokyo, Japan. 
And I also have been building Believe and it's been getting bigger and better and it's filling my soul in a way that track and field also did. And I'm starting to note that my eyes light up and my energy gets a little higher when I'm, stop, when I'm talking about Believe over when I go to training and I feel like I'm missing out on like seeking opportunities to be involved in different communities or making another video to inspire some more people. And so in my femur that my leg injury, the stress fracture has come back. And so currently I'm not training and I've been the person who's remained persistent and kind of gone back up and kept going for this goal. And there's going to be the other side of that coin when eventually, when is persistence a problem or when does persistence need to kind of, you just make a different choice and you walk down a different path. And so up next for me is really like making a decision on that. Like, am I staying in sport and going to the 2020 Olympics or still trying to go to the 2020 Olympics? Or do I jump two feet in to the Believe Initiative and really blow it up? And so, yeah, through the summer, I hope to reflect on that and, and make a decision and, and decide what will be best for, for my next chapter. Yeah, it's so profound. And I think it's so incredible to not know and be okay with the not knowing. I think so often we want so badly to be in the decision, right? We want yeah. <laughs> to have the decision. But I also think it's so beautiful and I love that you shared that because it's okay to be in the in-between. It's okay to reflect. It's okay to not have a decision right away. Mm -hmm. It's okay to say my intuition will come. My trust will come. I, I will make the right decision in the right time. And so often I think we feel this like guilt and shame. I know I have of like, why can't I make the decision? I don't know what I want. I'm not sure. But there's this in-between phase that we all have and it's okay. Like the in-between between college and your career, the in-between between high school and college. Should I go to college? Should I open my business? Should I be an entrepreneur? Should I give up being an entrepreneur? Should I, you know, all of these in-betweens are completely, it doesn't make us a bad person. And if you're listening, I just want you to know that because there's been, so, I'm like reflecting back on my own life. There's been so many in-betweens for me um, and I'm grateful for them now. Like I'm grateful for that space where mm -hmm. it was like, I don't have to decide now and whatever I decide will be my truth and the best decision in that moment. So yeah. thank you for sharing and being vulnerable. And I know whatever you decide will be perfect and incredible and more will come from it and more speaking and more sharing and more <laughs> lessons and that you'll continue to be this light and inspiration for people to listen to. So I'm so grateful for you being here. Thank you so much. If people want to connect, I'm sure people are going to want to connect. They're going to want to follow you. They want to pop into one of your keynotes. Where can they find you? Um, so both Twitter and Instagram, um, I'm Sarah Wells 400 MH. Sarah is spelt with an H, S-A-R-A-H, Wells, W-E-L-L-S, and 400 MH, like 400 meter hurdles. So Sarah Wells 400 MH, guys. So, yeah. <laughs> so right after this, as confusing as possible. To <laughs> I think it's it's pretty simple compared to some accounts I've seen. <laughs> I'm glad to hear. So yeah, so I'm sure people will easily find you. The Believe Initiative. You can also just hop over there, connect with you that way, watch the videos, get inspired. I love having them on my computer whenever I'm feeling down. <laughs> Watch. You're so sweet. They're perfect. They're perfect to uplift you from anything you're going through. And just have you continue to keep going. So 
Thank you so much for being here. I'm so grateful for you. Oh, Thank me you. too. Thank, Thank you. you for making me feel so safe to share and what you do is so amazing. So thank you for including me. Of course. All right, guys, that was another episode of the Awesome Inside Out podcast. Thank you so much for being here. All right, friends, that concludes another episode of the Awesome Inside Out podcast. Isn't Sarah amazing? I absolutely love her. I'm so thankful she had a chance to come on and share. And I'm so grateful that she was able to give some really, really practical tools that are going to help impact your life. But the thing about it is you have to start doing them, right? It's one thing to have all this knowledge, but it's another thing to start actually implementing these things into your life. So potentially, maybe today you start doing the journal exercise that she recommended where you start to track your feelings and your emotions around everything that you're doing. Or maybe you start with a visualization technique where you put on a timer and you actually track yourself doing something like accomplishing something with your health or public speaking or starting that business. And you actually put a timer on it and really see yourself fulfilling this goal. So whatever you take from this podcast today, I trust that it's going to be beneficial for you and really going to start to uplevel your life. So stay tuned for more episodes. If you have any questions, connect with me. I want to hear from you. That's my favorite part about doing this work is giving back and connecting with the people on the other side. It's about connecting with you. So reach out, message me. I'd love to hear from you. And I'm sending you so much love on this beautiful, beautiful day. All right, that concludes this cast. It is my honor to always be here with you. But hang tight because I have one last thought. You're here right now because you are ready. Because while many of us share the feelings of wanting more, not everyone is willing to do what it takes to get it. But you are here. You are ready. So this is your opportunity now to take what you just learned and implement it today. Make a pact with yourself to put just one thing into action. Just one. Write it down, do it, and share it with me. We are all in this together. Thank you for being here. You too can feel awesome from the inside out.